you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, a JC softball team. As long as, you know... Uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome in the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined this episode by Cousin Joe out in Hawaii. What you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, bud. Not much, man. Talk a little bit NFL draft. Honestly, didn't watch a lot of it because it was more depressing than my life. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, I had enough of it. I didn't reading, like catching up on it later. But yeah, it was just a bit too uh, too negative, man. It was like, oh, this guy's twin sister died in a fire three times. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what could happen. This guy was the, allegedly got arrested for killing a dog, but never got charged because it wasn't him. I was like, that wasn't relevant. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's got a good attorney. I guess that was the point of that story. But yeah, I mean, it was it was great to have sports back, and it took about you know to about a pick or two into the thing until we found out. Oh, we got bring this. Positivity down. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's why I like college football over professional sports. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, ESPN, Trey Wingo. I mean, I don't know how much you can fault the guy. I was calling him out because he was the one saying all this stuff. But uh, it was it was baffling how often they would go to, you know, someone's mother had a drug addiction or somebody's father died in a car accident 26 years ago or uh, his brother, when he was three, drowned in the pool. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they just did it time and time again for some reason. His three dogs froze to death. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like that old Australian phrase. It's like the dingo ate the baby. It's more like the wingo dropped the baby. Please stop talking. But on the plus side, the SEC, of course, sets a new record. I mean, my goodness, this is just like an annual thing here. SEC had 15 first-round selections. They had 25 selections after two rounds, which is another record. They had 40 selections after three rounds. Yet again, another record. Total of 63 selections. Not a shocker there. And then, you know, while Wingo may have been trying to bring us down, you know, I thought it was hilarious. Did you see old uh, Isaiah Wilson, his mom, kind of – 
yanked the girlfriend away from the screen. I mean, that was that was pretty hilarious. Yeah, exactly. It's another way of saying you're about to get upgraded. (laughs) 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 I just became a millionaire. Get your ass off him. Well, let's break down the round. We're going to do this round by round, just uh, share kind of our thoughts on some of these picks. Uh, We're not going to obviously rattle off all 63 names in a row here. So, again, we're just doing round by round. He'll start, obviously, round one. Joe Burrow, number one. Uh, Apparently, they have known this was in the works for a long time. He's been uh, working with the playbook already, so he's getting a jump start on potentially being Cincinnati's starter. Uh, Number four, Andrew Thomas to the New York Giants. You know, not a stunner there. First offensive lineman, first lineman taken in the draft. So, you know, that's a, a ton of credit to Georgia's program. And Sam Pittman, Arkansas, you know, tip your cap to that. Uh, number five overall, Tua Tungavaloa to Miami. I got to be honest with you, I didn't think he'd go this high. I thought after all this, you know, hype about uh, his injuries and all this, I thought he was going to fall. But, you know, I'm, ha- I'm really happy for him that he went so high, and now he's the future of the Miami Dolphins. What's your thoughts when you first saw Tua go number five overall? Does that see- seem about right to you? Uh, Tua's a risk, for sure. Coming off the injury, you don't know how he's going to react, but I can just see Tua going first. You know, I love Joe Burrow. He blew it up last year, for sure. And I think LSU is probably one of the best football teams ever played a game. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I could have seen Tua going higher. But, I don't know, like... What if he comes out and his hip sucks? You know, what if he loses just a little bit? You know, it's like Bo Jackson. When he came back, he was still pretty physically gifted. He was just like normal now. <laughs> you know, he wasn't like elite athlete anymore. So I don't know. There's a lot to be seen there, but no, I'm not too surprised. I hope he does well there. I think the main thing with me with Tua is just, again, like I said, I thought he was going to drop. So this was a surprise to me. But at the end of the day, the way I look at it, I think the head coach, I think his name is Flores. You know, it's not like he's done anything yet. And let's say they take an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. And even if that player's an outstanding guy on the field, or an outstanding player, I should say, you know, it's not going to really change the fortunes of the franchise. You know what I mean? And I think if you pass Tua, and if he does come healthy, and he's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, I just don't think you're ever going to live that down yet. Maybe if he plays for the Dolphins and he doesn't get hurt, I mean, he could be their starting quarterback for 10 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it just seems like it's worth the risk, I guess. Exactly. I don't know about you, but I've been watching The Last Dance. It's pretty awesome. It's like, mm-hmm. what's the guy that was taking before Michael Jordan, like Boomer or something? Exactly. <laughs> no one knows. I watched it yesterday. I don't remember that guy's name. It was like, what would you feel to be like those to uh, franchises that skipped on Michael Jordan. Yeah, I mean, and you do, you never win a damn title ever again. You know what I mean? So that's kind of the risk-reward of the draft, and just happy for two. I hope it works out for him. Now, this is potentially my favorite pick of the first round. Number seven overall, Derek Brown went to the Carolina Panthers. I think that's going to be a hell of a pickup for Carolina. First-year coach Matt Rule was pretty fired up to see that. I think, you know, that's going to change – a lot of um, the defensive line and, and elevate it to an elite unit relatively soon here because Derek Brown may have been the most dominant player in the SEC, you know, not from the quarterback position last season. So I really like that draft selection. 
Uh, number nine overall, cornerback C.J. Henderson to the Jaguars. A little bit of a surprise there. I know Henderson, was he's the second corner taken off the board, so it's a premier position. you got to get him where you can. Number 10 overall, offensive lineman Jedrick Wills to Cleveland. Uh, they need a blindside protector there for Baker Mayfield, so that makes sense. Number 12, Henry Ruggs to the Raiders. I mean, you knew you kind of knew this was coming. Raiders, all they do is select the fastest damn players in the world. They got Henry Ruggs, and uh, I really like that pickup for John Gruden's offense. Number 14, defensive lineman Javon Kinlaw to the 49ers. That's a hell of a pickup. He's a you know got massive potential. At times, he looked to be as good as Derrick Brown, not as consistent. I think that's why he, you know, that's why you see the difference at all the way down here at number 14. But still, he could be a missing piece there for the Niners. They traded away a defensive lineman this, this offseason. So there they got Kinlaw. Number 15, receiver Jerry Judy to the Broncos. I think that's a clear message. They're trying to help Drew Locke out. So you got to surround him with some weapons. Uh, number 20, linebacker Kalevon Chasson to the Jaguars. They're looking to rebuild that defense. And Chasson is. You know, I think he could be a guy that uh, he may, you may miss on this pick, which would suck at number 20 overall, but at the same time, he could be one of these elite pass rushers that just changes your entire defense. So kind of a boomer bust type draft selection. So I kind of like that one for the Jaguars. He was outstanding for LSU last year. Number 22, receiver Justin Jefferson to the Vikings. I'm a Green Bay fan, so I didn't like that pick. I think Justin Jefferson's a hell of a player. I think he'll do well there for the Vikings. Number 28, linebacker Patrick Queen to the Ravens. He's already the favorite right now to be defensive rookie of the year going to Baltimore. Number 28 overall selection. Uh, number 29, Isaiah Wilson. He had another Georgia offensive lineman. He goes to the Titans. Sam Pittman fired up about that. Uh, number 30 overall, corner Noah Igbenogane to the Dolphins. So the Dolphins loading up on SEC guys here. And then the last pick of the first round, this was pretty cool. Running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the Clydesdale to the Chiefs. And you just think, my God, the Chiefs, can they get any more explosive? Yes, they can because they just add the Clydesdale. So any of those, you know, really stand out to you in round one? Um. You can see them all going a little bit higher or lower. Uh, Justin Jefferson, I think that's just a really awesome story. Wasn't he like a two-star or something like that? And he, he turned into like a first-round draft pick. Yeah, so, I mean, you love to see those stories. Uh, I think ESPN, he was not even ranked by their service. So that's kind of how far off the map. And I think he was the one of the last prospects LSU took in that recruiting class. So, yeah, I mean, that that's just awesome to see. Yeah, it's such a good story. Joe Burrow is another good story, too, sitting on the bench always and then slowly making it into the first-round pick. I really wish he went to someone other than the Bengals, but hopefully he's able to make a spark there or at least not die. You know, they used to always say that about the Browns. That's where all the great players go to, uh, what was it, retire? Or <laughs> first-round picks go to die or whatever. Yeah, and so we got a couple clips here, some really good ones here. Uh, I really wanted – to share this one, because Shane's a big guy of, you know, you play in the bowl game, all that does for you as a team player. So Derek Brown, Matt Rule, this is uh, Matt Rule, the Carolina coach, talking with Derek Brown and just how impressed he was with Brown playing in that bowl game against Minnesota. Hey, uh, I, I knew from the very first moment that I met you at the Senior Bowl that if I ever had the chance, I was dying to coach you. And uh, I want to I welcome you to the family, man. It's going to be a great thing. I appreciate it. 
you know, we're trying to build a tough, tough, tough team. And, you know, I, I watched it this morning. I watched you play uh, the bowl game. And to see you playing that hard in a bowl game like that, man, I, I can't wait to see what you bring to the Carolinas. You're going to be a tough, hardworking, competitive dude. I know. Uh, I want you to take tonight and enjoy it. I want you to take tonight and thank all those people who, who helped you get here, too. And uh, we'll be in touch. I can't wait to get to work with you, man. Welcome, welcome to the family. This is the, only the beginning, bro. Yes, sir. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. Can't wait. All right, so that's a little shout-out to Shane there. Like I said, he's big on these guys, you know, finishing out their careers and all it does for them. You know, I'm if they want to skip the bowl games, that's fine. I don't hold it against them. But here is a perfect example of playing in that bowl game, really helping. And, hell, it sounds like that's what sold Matt Rule in Carolina on picking Derek Brown at number seven. So that's pretty neat, didn't you think? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. No need to do a shout-out to Shane, though. He's too busy nascar <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I was talking about the Clydesdale another Shane guy here man it would have been nice to have him on the show here but number 32 overall running back uh, talking with Andy Reid of course the Kansas City Chiefs head coach Super Bowl champion this is their phone call they had immediately after the draft and this is really fantastic hey listen we're fired up for you man very excited. yes sir uh-huh. yes sir Mahomes, yes, sir. I can't wait. He asked Pat Mahomes, "Who do you want?" And he picked you, huh? <laughs> man, I'm ready to. I'm ready you to. Better work. be ready to go, man. You I'm ready to work, coach. You know that. You're always ready. Yeah, it totally is. And Sam Pittman having two first round picks is pretty badass too. Absolutely. Well, let's do that. Let's jump on over to Sam Pittman next because, like I was saying, obviously the Arkansas will get to. They had a two pair, two guys drafted here, so we're going to give them a shout out when we get to their guys, but. Hell, if I'm a Razorback fan, how fired up am I to see two first-round picks off that offensive line, three total in the draft, and Sam Pittman was watching. They were filming the whole thing. He gets on the phone here with Andrew Thomas, number four overall selection, and Isaiah Wilson, number 29 overall selection. Let's kick it over to Sam Pittman. With the fourth pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the New York Giants select... Andrew Thomas, tackle. Oh, my God. I knew he's the best tackle in the draft. Ha, 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 ha. Got it, baby. That's so awesome, Jamie. For him and his family. I'm really happy for you. Let me ask you something. First lineman taken? How many years you been in college? Three. Three. Wow. Don't he use a take four? But. <laughs> hey, fourth round? <laughs> hey, I'm, excuse me. Fourth pick. Oh my God. You, you know I love you. I'm as proud of you as anybody could ever be, and you know that. Number one, baby. With the 29th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Tennessee Titans select Isaiah Wilson. Tackle. <laughs> oh, there he is, Lane. Look at him. I knew his big butt be crying. <laughs> so unbelievable. He calls mama. My goodness gracious. Isaiah, we're so 
Hi. Hey, Zay. What about that, buddy? I told you in recruiting you was going to be a first rounder, and by golly, you did it. You did it, I didn't. You did it. <laughs> I love you to death, man. I'm proud of you, and I love you. Hey, go enjoy your family. See you, buddy. All right, so, you know, a lot of these coaches are salesman-esque type guys. You know what I mean? Like Butch Jones. I think a little bit you could say the same thing for Chad Morris. And I know they were sitting here filming Sam Pittman, so, you know, there may be other fans out there questioning his motives or whatever, but this is just who Sam Pittman is. You know what I mean? Like, he really genuinely cares for these kids. That's why, you know, they've come to play for him. It's why a guy like Cade Mays, who's got ties to Tennessee, his father went there. I don't want to say turned his back on Tennessee because he, I mean, he in his mind he's going to a better situation, going to play for Sam Pittman. You know, this just kind of clues you into the type of guy that Sam Pittman is. He makes these promises to these kids on the recruiting trail, and if they listen to him, it comes true. So, I don't know. I know it's it's been a downtime there for the Razorbacks, but just listen to this video. I'd be pretty fired up that uh, Sam Pittman is the guy running our show and what he's going to bring to Arkansas in the years to come. Yeah, absolutely. And last thing here, I just thought this was uh, not necessarily you know NFL related, but I thought Alabama fans, this is some interesting information because I can't tell you how many people I've seen suggest that Talia Tungavaloa is out at Alabama, is not going to be sticking around. We know how close this family is. They moved from Hawaii to Alabama just to watch Tua play and be near him. And now is the family going to follow him to Miami? Will Tua kind of shed some light on that? And Tua, we know how important family is to you. How excited is the family about coming down to Miami? Similar weather to what you're used to in Hawaii, right? Man, it's similar weather, but you know, sadly, I'll be the only one coming out there to, to Miami. My parents are staying out here and focusing on my, my, my brother who's in college and uh, my, my two younger sisters. Um, so it, it's, it's going to have to be a new home away from home kind of thing. All right. So, again, that's, this is my pick for Alabama starting quarterback by the end of the season, Talia Tungavaloa. And I think Tua and his family are feeling kind of the same thing. They just know they got to beat out Mac Jones. You know what I mean? So Talia and his family staying in Tuscaloosa. I'm not surprised by this, but I think a lot of – well, I, don't, I shouldn't say a lot, but I've, some Alabama fans I've been seeing, they are just expecting this kid to jump in the transfer portal at any moment. But uh, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. And I just thought that was a little interesting nugget for SEC football heading into 2020. Yeah, he's, even if he doesn't start, he's going to be developed better. I mean, that's why Hurts stayed that extra year, too. Yeah, that's another good point. And if you, see, I don't know, if you remember spring practice or spring game last year, mm-hmm. I thought it was the second best quarterback. I thought inexperienced he made some mistakes for sure but you know you just chuck that up with his youth i think some of that's going to go away and i think he's going to definitely take mac jones spot yeah i mean nick saban even got him on the field a number of times last year and i don't think there's any chance he's putting a true freshman out there not that he had confidence in him to lead the team because obviously they went with mac jones when Tua went down but i think they they see the promise in him and they know that, uh, you know, if they keep him on the bench for very long, maybe he will transfer out. But 
if he wins the job, I don't think Saban is going to hesitate to make that switch, sit Mac Jones, and start Talia. All right, going to the second round here, right off the top, number three overall, DeAndre Swift to the Lions. Now they got DeAndre Swift and Carrion Johnson. My goodness, that's a all-SEC backfield right there. Uh, number four overall, safety Xavier McKinney to the New York Giants. Number 12 overall, safety Grant Delpit to the Browns. I was kind of surprised he fell that far. Number 15, defensive lineman Marlon Davidson to the Falcons. Number 16, here you go, linebacker Darrell Taylor to the Seahawks, first Tennessee player off the board. Number 19, defensive back Travion Diggs to the Cowboys. Number 24, defensive lineman Raekwon Davis to the Dolphins. Number 25, receiver Van Jefferson to the Rams. That's probably one of my favorite picks here in the second round. Number 29 overall, cornerback Christian Fulton to the Titans. That was another guy that fell that... A lot of people had him pegged as a first-rounder, so that could be a really good pickup there for the Titans. Number 31 overall, again, the Chiefs. Man, the Chiefs loaded up on SEC guys in this draft. Willie Gay, the linebacker, to the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, some really good players here. I think many of these players, DeAndre Swift, McKinney, Delpit, Hell, Darrell Taylor, all these guys, I mean, they could be making an impact early next season. And this is what they're talking about when they were saying – you know, this could be potentially one of the deepest drafts in a long, long time. And it's pretty amazing that some of these players went in the second round. I think these are going to be some impact guys next year. Yeah, I think so, too. You're Willie Gay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Jalen Hurts, I mean, you got to throw him some love, too. He's from Oklahoma at the end, but Alabama for the most part. And it was nice to see him go to the Eagles, too, where he can team up with an old Tennessee person. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, well, was, I don't know. I love the draft, but it's more fun to see where they end up. Like, I mean, you got Kamara and all those other people that come in super late and then they shine, but it's fun. How do you not take Swift in the first round? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess just because of the fact that they don't value the running backs like they used to do, but yeah, you got to figure that DeAndre Swift, not only is he going to have an immediate impact, but he's probably going to be in the NFL a lot longer than some of these guys taken in the first round. I think that's what that's what Kirby Smart even kind of touched on, the fact that, uh, you know, teams are making a mistake. And I think that's – I certainly think he's going to prove it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right, jumping to this third round. Uh, number five overall, we got offensive lineman Damian Lewis to the Seahawks. Number seven overall, defensive lineman Justin Matabuke to the Ravens. Number 12 overall, Keyshawn Vaughn to Tampa Bay. And my goodness, I think, you know, we, I don't take pleasure in bashing Vanderbilt here, but that just kind of goes to show you what a talent that kid is coming off of, you know, a dreadful season there at Vanderbilt going into the third round, going to play with Tom Brady. And this might be, we talk about DeAndre Swift. He may be, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, that is, you know, a sneaky pick for rookie of the year getting to play with Gronk and Tom Brady and, you know, defenses are going to be keyed in on the pass. So Keyshawn Vaughn, I really like that pick. Uh, number 15 overall, defensive lineman Jabari Zaniga to the Jets. How about this? Raiders go back-to-back SEC receivers, number 16 and 17. Receiver Lynn Bowden, how did he fall to the third round? I don't know. And then Brian Edwards, one of my favorite, most underrated players in the SEC last year, 
both to the Raiders. So they they landed Bowden, Brian Edwards, and Henry Ruggs in the top three rounds. Raiders are really uh, going heavy on the receivers here. Lloyd Cushenberry to the Broncos, number 19 overall. Number 20, Terrell Lewis to the Rams. Number 23, linebacker Anthony Jennings to the Patriots. Number 24, defensive lineman Jordan Elliott to the Browns. Number 25 overall, cornerback Cam Dancer to the Vikings. Number 26, linebacker Jonathan Grenard to the Texans. Grenard at times, you know, I know he got a little banged up for the Gators, but he looked like SEC Defensive Player of the Year material early in the season. So the, the Texans could have got a really, really good find there. Uh, number 31 overall, defensive lineman Sosa Aguim to the Broncos. That's the first Razorback off the board. And then last SEC selection here in the third round, number 33, linebacker Jacob Phillips to the Browns. So any of those stand out to you? I mean, Lynn Bowden, my God. Yeah. Can you imagine him on the same offense with Henry Ruggs now? No, that's insane. That's going to be so dynamic if they can get the time to get the ball to him. You got Bowden for the underneath and the slant rounds, and you got the over top of freaking rugs. That's going to be great. I'm just glad that uh, you were talking about Grenard and Henderson and all that. I'm just glad they don't play for Florida anymore. <laughs> they were really outstanding last year. It was fun watching them play. Yeah, and I mean, I you know, I think who's even more excited would be uh, Jarrett Garantano, who's just seemed like he was always on his back whenever they played the Gators. <laughs> okay, round four, number two overall offensive lineman, Sadiq Charles to Washington. Uh, number five overall offensive lineman, Solomon Kidney to the Dolphins. Yet another Sam Pittman offensive lineman here. Number 12 overall, tight end Albert O to the Broncos. So Albert O and Drew Locke teaming back up on the Denver Broncos. Uh, number 14 overall, running back LaMichael Pirine to the Jets. I really liked his game last year. Number 15 overall, offensive lineman Logan Sternberg to the Lions. Yet another Kentucky Wildcat off the board. Number 25, defensive lineman Rashard Lawrence to Arizona. Number 39, offensive lineman Jack Driscoll to the Eagles. So those are the only SEC selections around four. But, uh, you know, the guy there that really stands out to me, Albert O., you know, so much hype around him, and at times very, very productive. At other times, he just simply disappeared in the offense. So I don't know if that's him. I don't know if that was the offensive coordinator, but teaming up with Drew Locke, I got to think, again, the Broncos sending a message. They're, they're building around Drew Locke. They're putting pieces all around him. I don't know. If, if I'm a Missouri fan, I'm pretty fired up to see what Drew Locke does in, in his second NFL season. Yeah, Piron, you put in that category too. Being like he had the at times flashes where you're like, oh wow, this guy's going to be amazing. Then other times where he just kind of petered out. So he's a one of those. It's like he can be amazing or not. Mm-hmm. I also think it's funny that Jacob Eason went so late. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He he came out early to go in the fourth round, so that looked like a big mistake. But speaking of that, round five, only two SEC guys here. Defensive back Daniel Thomas to the Jaguars with the 12th pick. And then number 22 in the fifth round, Jake Fromm to the Bills. And he was kind of the big slider of the NFL draft, particularly that third day. You figured, you know, at all these hot boards, whatever, he was the most valuable or, you know, number one valued guy on the board day four, nearly fell to round six. And, you know, it's an interesting spot because I saw – you know, I even made the jokes. We all made the jokes 
that, uh, you know, maybe he should have went back to school, yada, yada, yada. But in my opinion, you know, the limitations around his game is mostly just arm strength. And I just don't know how going back to school for another year was really going to help him. I mean, he's already got, what, like 40-something games of film on on tape. Like, teams know who he is. And I think more than anything, this says that, uh, you know, he didn't really have a lot of confidence in the Georgia program to kind of develop his skills as a quarterback. Yeah. I still think he played way worse last year than he has ever before. So I think it would have been, I can see it being more beneficial for him to come back. So he like leaves on a good note opposed to there's times he just fell apart last year. Well, I mean, hell, they did win 12 games. I mean, he wasn't that bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> they lost to South Carolina. That's true. And largely because of him and that one. So I, I'll give you that one. Maybe you got a point, but I don't know. I just don't think, I, I bet, you know, I heard he had a real bad combine. I don't really give a crap about the combine or anything like that, but that and then everything shut down. These teams didn't get a chance to interview him in person, didn't get a chance to work him out. That probably killed his stock too. Yeah, definitely. We Okay, round six, we had a long snapper go. My goodness, long snapper Blake Ferguson to the Dolphins. Nailed it, Mom. Long snapper in the NFL. Tight end Charlie Warner to the 49ers. And then here we go. We got punter. We got special team guys flying off the board. Braden Mann to the Jets. Uh, offensive lineman Prince Tega to the Eagles. And then final selection here, receiver Freddie Swain to the Seahawks. But my goodness, what are the Dolphins doing here? Round six, drafted a long snap. I mean, no disrespect to uh, Blake Ferguson, but you, did you really need to take him with a sixth round pick? But he runs a sick 40. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we used to do that in high school a uh, long snapper would snap it and run down and be the first one to make the tackle so I don't know maybe they're trying to implement little high school rules doing the gust strategy yeah I don't know what in the hell they're thinking there maybe, the Dolphins just really apparently love them some SEC prospects so yeah I don't know Braden man I love that though I mean if you, even you got to take a sixth round pick on a punter a punter is going to help you more than a long snapper in my opinion well where's the punter to get the ball from <laughs> One of the offensive alive. Who cares? I don't know. Ra- round seven, final round here. Cam Curl to Washington. So we got two Razorbacks here. Jawan Jennings to the 49ers. The dog. <laughs> yeah. Linebacker. I'm a 49ers fan. <laughs> I bought jerseys, everything. <laughs> Linebacker TJ Brunson to the New York Giants. That was uh, Will Muschamp's. First recruit, we heard that every damn time. Brunson made a tackle his, his entire career there at South Carolina. How about this one? This was a stunner to me. Quarterback Tommy Stevens to the New Orleans Saints. I know it's in the round seven, but I didn't think Stevens had much of a place in the NFL, but Sean Payton obviously knows better than I do. So there you go. Steven Sullivan tied into the Seahawks. Tyree Cleveland to the Broncos. And then the very last pick in the entire damn draft, Georgia linebacker Tay Crowder. What a journey he's that guy's taken. He was taken by the New York Giants. I believe he was a running back when he started, and then he became an all-SEC linebacker. So it's pretty cool to see his transition. He was one of uh, Georgia's better players the last couple of years, I thought. So good to see him get a shot there. Yeah, absolutely. That just goes to show how much talent did get drafted, you know? Right. 
And I worked up a little graph here. I thought this was pretty interesting. So we're going to run down, you know, total picks by the teams and then how many wins they had last season. So no surprise, LSU with the most picks in the NFL draft, 14. And, of course, they won 15 games, won the national championship. Alabama had nine picks. They won 11 games. Georgia had seven picks. They won 12. Florida had seven picks. They won 11. So Georgia, Alabama, Florida, all right there, kind of where you'd be, you expect them to be. But here's where things get a little crazy, where Auburn, with six players drafted, they had nine wins, not a stunner. But how about this? Mississippi State, five selections. They only had six wins. So, you know, Joe Moorhead and company obviously didn't maximize that talent. That's why he's no longer there. But how about South Carolina, four selections, only four wins, that kind of stands out to as why Muschamp on this hot seat, not really getting it done. Whereas on the flip side, Tennessee, Kentucky, Texas A&M all had two players taken in the draft. And all three of those programs won eight games last year. So that's a real credit, I think, to Jeremy Pruitt, Mark Stoops, and Jimbo Fisher on just the coaching job they were doing. They did last year. Missouri and Arkansas also had two selections in the draft, but of course, Missouri won only six games. Arkansas won two. That's why we called Chad Morris the worst coach in SEC history. And then Vanderbilt had one selection, only three wins last year. So not a stunner there, but any takeaways from uh, those numbers? No, that's pretty exciting, though. Vanderbilt and Arkansas. Arkansas is going to get better next year for sure. Got uh, Sam Pittman down there, and he's going to bring some offensive linemen and have some fun. But, yeah, Vanderbilt, I don't see them having any next year. (laughs) No, no. And they even had some really good players get undrafted or go undrafted, I should say. So, you know, that some of the players to me that I was kind of stunned didn't get picked. Georgia safety, J.R. Reed, he did sign with the Jaguars. We're talking Vanderbilt here. Tight end Jared Pinckney did not get drafted neither did Kalijah Lipscomb now they've both been signed Lipscomb to uh, the Chiefs Pinckney to the Falcons but man I was very surprised I think that kind of speaks to just how poorly they were coached there at Vanderbilt last year Hot Rod he didn't get drafted for some reason but he got picked up right away by the Colts so that was good to see I you know I know Kelly Bryant wasn't that great last year but I don't know, I was kind of surprised that no one took a late flyer on him. You you can never have enough quarterbacks. Uh, Daniel Petuli didn't get drafted. Errol Thompson didn't get drafted. Thaddeus Moss, who came out early, didn't get drafted. And the two receivers out of Texas A&M that left school early, Courtney Davis, Kendrick Rogers, neither one of them got drafted. So you really hate to see guys leave school early, not get drafted. Nigel Warrior was another one, did not get drafted. Rico Dowell, Lawrence Cager. Scotty Phillips, none of those guys got drafted, but man, I hate to see that, but you know, hopefully when these camps start opening up, I think a lot of these guys that haven't signed will get an opportunity and I bet a lot of them will make a roster. But what are your thoughts on this? Cause I was having this discussion with somebody over the weekend. If you come out early, you know, as a junior or sophomore, what have you, and you don't get drafted, do you think you should have the option to go back to school if you want? I say yes, as long as you haven't accepted any money. 
until they start until it's legal for <laughs> to have money and it's like yeah absolutely all because that's isn't that pretty much the reason they can i uh, yeah i think that's the only reason you know because they're getting representation and then they're getting stuff paid for and you know hell i'd even be fine with them saying you know even if you did get paid or whatever if you if you want to pay that back you know what i mean and maybe right. this maybe that would be like a wake up call to some of these guys and say, you know, maybe I'm not as good as I thought. Maybe I'd really do need to work harder. I'll go back to school. I'll improve my stock. Now, I still think there'll be players that would go out early, not get drafted, and then sign as a free agent. And I think they'd be happy with that because, you know, you're talking I think some of these guys make as much as like twenty to thirty thousand dollars immediately. So you don't know what situation these players are in, so you there a lot of them are going to be happy with just with that and just an opportunity so i don't think it's going to it would like open the floodgates like all these players would be returning to school i only i only think a handful of guys every year would take advantage of it but i'm just not really sure why that's not on the books already you know yeah but <laughs> $20,000 is chump change like when I joined the military, they gave me like a $15,000 signing bonus or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I swear to you, I can't tell you where I sent one penny of that. <laughs> like it was gone before I got it. I was like, oh, oops. It's like, no, you definitely stay until you get your degree, come back, go to school. I wish they had that opportunity. But then again, if they go about it the way you're suggesting, what prevents every junior sophomore from going into the draft? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess nothing, but I just don't think they would do that because you're missing out on spring football. You're missing out on, you know, conditioning and everything. And and I think you would your, – your stock would not be as – like a guy like Trey Smith, you know what I mean? Like I think he's – I know they didn't have spring, but if they would have had it all that time he would have put in, I think he would have improved his stock a hell of a lot more than going through the draft, not getting drafted, and then being, oh, shit, I got to go back to school. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I get, yeah. there's different ways to look at it, for sure. I think it's a mentality, too. I mean, if someone's going to be great, they're going to be great because they have that drive and ambition. Mm-hmm. They're not going to develop that in the NFL. If they don't have it before, then it's not going to happen later. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, last thoughts here on the NFL draft. This comes from uh, old Kirby Smart, who was on the Paul Feinbaum show. And, you know, I thought this was outstanding. He actually recorded this after the first round. So this was not after the entire draft, but just after the first round. Here's uh, He called it the SEC draft of two other teams, and then he, he even fired some shots here. He didn't say Clemson, but it's pretty clear that's who he was talking about here. No one needs to remind you about uh, how, how great the SEC is. You played in it. You've coached in it uh, your entire life. But uh, but but still, I'm sure as uh, as one of the, the top coaches uh, watching last night, you had to shake your head and go, man, this, this is what I've been trying to tell people about. Yeah, I mean, it's like the SEC draft with two other teams in it. I mean, it's just it, 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 that's the way it's going to be, in my opinion, um, for time to come. And you look across the, the 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 recruiting of the the teams in our conference, it's just incredible. And the the separation to me is becoming greater. And you, you have to be careful when you look at what the SEC network's been able to do with you guys. Uh, Paul, having the shows you have, I mean, the, the 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 amount of money we've been able to bring in, the revenue we've been able to generate through the television contracts, the SEC network, and all those things, it creates facilities and a lot of things that these, these kids want to choose to go and grow and play on these stages. And if you're not careful, that separation outside of maybe two or three other programs, 
is getting greater. And that's what we saw, in my opinion, uh, last night. Your recruiting record at, at, at Georgia, and even uh, prior to that, was was unmatched. And, and, and I, as you talk to players, uh, I, I'm I'm interested because they 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 want they usually want the same things. They, they want a good education. They want to play football, but they're also thinking about what happened last night and tonight. Oh, absolutely! It's a great sales piece. But what gets me, Paul, is you you probably. Well, let me rephrase that. You probably would believe it, but you wouldn't believe what some coaches outside our conference tell kids. You know, it's it's it, they they they'll, they'll sell to a kid. It's better to not go to the SEC because it's too tough, it's too competitive, it's too physical. You might get beat up, you might get banged up, you might not have as good a career there that you will somewhere else. Well, that's not the way the NFL GMs are looking at it, and that's not the way the NFL. Uh, coaches are looking at it. They want to take kids that want to compete at the highest level, that want to go play in those big-time matchups, and that's what the kids want. They want to go play in the biggest games and the biggest places, and that's what they aspire to do. So for a, for a coach and maybe another conference to sell that, hey, it might be a little easier path to come over here and go this way, it, it, you know, it just speaks volumes. You want kids to be able to see through that. All right, Dabo, if you're out there listening, Kirby Smart says your damn message ain't working, although, hell, Clemson – they're doing pretty well in recruiting too, but it is kind of funny to think that uh, there there would be coaches out there telling these kids, you know, don't go to the SEC. It's too tough. You won't <laughs> develop. And my God, I mean, every year they're just, I mean, it's not even a joke. They're every, literally every year they're setting new records for draft picks, first round picks. I can't believe anyone would try to say your best avenue is not going to the SEC. Right. But think about it. If you had someone on your team, would you rather have the person that wanted to go to the tough division, or would you have the rather have the person that's like, no, that's scary, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, you keep recruiting like that, Davo, and you'll stay soft. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's why the damn Raiders are the only ones picking Clemson guys because you know there's while they they're going to have some outstanding players to be sure, you know they only have a couple games each year of film that's worthwhile. You know what I mean? I mean, they're just beating the hell out of these sorry-ass ACC teams like Clemson playing Duke and Virginia and all these teams. Like, what's that's not going to really be taped that NFL people aren't going to be studying, I don't think. No, not at all, unless it's basketball. All right, last thing before we hop off here. There's a, a lot of NFL draft talk here. That's obviously the big thing going on here. Um, you know, this is not typically the time of year we talk about recruiting, but hell, Tennessee been pulling off some major, major moves here on the recruiting trail. So we got to talk about this five star pass rusher, Dylan Brooks, number one overall player from Alabama. Number one weak side defensive end in the nation. You know, surprisingly commit to Tennessee over the weekend over Alabama, Auburn, LSU, basically every school in the nation here. But my goodness, how surprising is it to you, if at all, that uh, I know Tennessee's got a lot of ties to Alabama, but that the volunteers at this point under Jeremy Pruitt, two years in, able to land a five-star out of the state of Alabama. It's not surprising at all, Mikey. Be real. It's the greatest university in the world. No, it's it's actually very surprising. I'm pretty excited about it. It kind of, what is it, Ansley? Uh, lock him down. Maybe give him a little raise. Keep him where he's at, you know? Mm-hmm. But no, it's 
and it's been a good few days. Yeah, and then a day after that, so here on Monday, this episode will come out on Tuesday, but on Monday, Tennessee turned around and landed a commit. Four-star defensive back Kamar Wilcoxon. That's a hell of a name to say, but Wilcoxon, former Florida decommit, is going down to IMG Academy for his senior season. One of the uh, top defensive back prospects in the Southeast, commits to Tennessee. Now coaches out here teasing about other commits are coming and all this. So a lot of excitement there for the Tennessee program on the recruiting trail. You got Florida Gator staffer talking shit to this kid for committing to Tennessee. Uh, man, that was just kind of weird. So I don't know. It's it's always interesting to me that here we are in the middle of April or late April, and these SEC recruiting battles are just as heated as they are on National Signing Day. That's why SEC football is so damn awesome. But, you know, we got a little bit of – we already had some bad, bad blood between Tennessee and Florida, but – Hell, they're cranking it up now with all this news, don't you think? Yeah, I love it. I can't wait until Dan's doing like the attendance record to make fun of Tennessee in some way. <laughs> um, but I'm telling you, man, we get JT Daniels. I'm gonna swim my ass to Vegas and put some money on. <laughs> oh man, I would pay to see you attempt that. I don't think you'd make it too far. I would just go like 50 meters out, come back, and be like, "Where's that beer at?" <laughs> Find Shane. He's still playing NASCAR in the house. <laughs> yeah, wherever he is, we're trying to locate him. We try to get him on this one. I don't know where the hell this, that guy's at. He's super busy. Trust, just trust us when we say he is very, very busy, man. So busy. <laughs> so busy. But I think that's a good note to get off here. And then uh, keep in mind, remember, I've got uh, a Vegas odds maker coming up on the next episode. That's scheduled to come out on Wednesday look be looking out for that one he's going to give us uh, inside information on just being a Vegas odds maker and what all goes into the setting the lines and all that so really excited to that interview coming up but uh, besides that you got anything before we hop off here cousin Joe not at all man it's great thanks for having me it was good chatting absolutely all right and next time we have a family member die We'll let Trey Wingo know so he can broadcast that shit to the world on our most prime time moment. All right, so thanks for joining me as always. Cousin Joe, thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. Wash your hands.